for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. You look at Luke 4.18, it's basically one of the first sermons that Jesus really ever preached after he came out of the wilderness and stuff. So it's definitely part of the kingdom message of deliverance to people who are in bondage. How many know there's people who are in bondage? How many know they need delivered? One of the hardest things in, I find in Christians' life is getting them to seek the deliverer rather than the deliverance. Yeah. You know, what do you want? I want healed. I want healed, healed, healed. I want blessed, blessed, blessed. I want financially. Well, what about him? Yeah. What about seeking him first? And most of those things you won't need anymore because basically whatever you need is going to come into your life or get off of your life. Hallelujah. All right, go to Genesis chapter 1 again this morning. I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God and how you can walk in it, live in it. If you're not here last week, you probably really need to get a tape. I must say so myself, that was very good. Hey, the Word of God is good stuff, man, and it brings revelation to you. I just put it out there. I didn't write the book, for God's sakes. First of all, I'm not that old. So praise God. Right, back to Genesis 1, That's where we were last week. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let him have what? Dominion. Notice, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female he created he them. Notice, the purpose for man's creation was what? Dominion. Say Dominion. Basically, dominion, to rule here on the earth, to have authority here on the earth, basically to have a kingdom that God set up on the earth. Everything else you do outside of dominion, basically, is like the cherry on top of the Sunday. And basically, God called you to have dominion. That means you can do everything that the church wants you to do and still never use your dominion and still not fulfill what he put you here to do, basically, because he put you here for dominion. Say dominion. dominion. And this is why... Every human being in the entire earth, I don't care if they're born again or not, because of their makeup and because of the way God created them, there is a dominion, authoritative spirit in, inside. It's in our muscles. It's in our mind. It's every part of us where we want to have control over circumstances and situations in our life. It's a natural thing. That's why bondage is so ugly for us because deep down inside we know we shouldn't be in bondage we should be free because that's who we are and that's the way God created us and that's the way it's going to be and so when bondage comes into our life a lot of times we get very condemned and guilty and unrestful and everything else and that's basically because he created us to have dominion basically so that we would not be in bondage but he did create us so that we could have dominion over our circumstances over our situations that come into our lives and you're going to find out more and more as you grow into things of the Lord a lot of things that used to throw you off will no longer throw you off I mean, when you're, when you're a new Christian and you get born again, you just think everything's going to go good for some reason. I don't know if somebody tells you that or what it is. But it's, I'm born again and everything's going to line up. Let me tell you, dear Lord, it almost got worse once you got born again with things coming into your life, coming at you, people talking about you, everything else going on in your life. But slowly but surely, you grow to a place where you can start to deal with each and every situation that comes your way, how to keep your peace and joy, how to respond in those situations, and how to do it. Notice, he gave you dominion over the earth and the things in the earth. He never gave you dominion over other human beings because that turns into witchcraft turns into manipulation and most people who cannot control their own situations are the people who want to control you why is it because that's what they're made up they're made up to control something and if I can't control my own circumstances situations bless God I'll control you 
I'll manipulate you. I'll do what I'll have to do. We see nation against nation. What is that? Misused authority. We see husbands against wives, wives against husbands. Why is that? Misused authority. In other words, dominion was perverted when in the fall, basically, at that time, and man knew he had to control something, and since he could no longer control anything, he just started controlling each other. I mean, and you don't have to teach this. Your kids will grow up, and they will prove to you that there's a dominion on the inside of them. Come on now. Is that the truth? And they get to a certain age and all at once, overnight, it's a miracle. They know everything. It's like a revelation hits their life, and they know more than you. No matter how old you are, they know a lot more than you do, and they can do a lot more than you do. And all. Now, that's normal because it's the, the dominion, do you understand, that was born into them. It's not something to learn. It's something that's already on the inside of them. So what do most people do? They try to, try to either control other people with perverted dominion, or else they look for something they think will give them the dominion back. But the only thing that gives you the dominion back is when you re-enter the kingdom of God with the original dominion that God gave you to begin with, it's a spiritual supernatural. So what do most people in the world go after? Money, fame. Why is that? Because that gives me dominion. That gives me power. That gives me authority. The fame of the rich and famous. Did you ever hear the fame of the poor and no good? Never heard of it, did you? It's always the rich and the famous, the powerful rich and the famous. Well, that's the worldly attitude. It's not God's attitude. Let me tell you, there's people that don't have squat financially who got a lot more authority and power than people who have billions and billions of dollars, basically because they're looking for it in all the wrong places. The money is called the almighty. Why is that? Because it's a little G-O-D to many people in the world and many people actually in the kingdom of God. So we think, gosh, if I could just have a better job, if I could just get a raise, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, that's not the answer. The answer is enter the kingdom of God, and in the kingdom of God, follow the guidelines of the kingdom of God, and as you follow the guidelines of the kingdom of God, all these things are added unto you, and you start to control situations, circumstances, finances, and all this stuff, basically, because now you're lined up with the kingdom of God. So it's not those things that increase you. It's God things that increase you because it's dominion. And it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, trillionaire, whatever it comes next or after that. It doesn't really make any difference because basically those people are still looking for something. Come on, you look at the Bible and you see this rich, young ruler. I mean, what could you want? You're rich. You're young. You're a ruler. And my God, Dear Lord, everything that he's got, praise God. And he's even abiding by the laws. He's a good boy. He's doing everything right. But yet he comes to Jesus, and he seems to be missing something, even though he's got all this other stuff out here. And what was that? Well, Jesus says, well, the problem is money's dominating you instead of you dominating money. If you really want to be happy, sell all you can and give to the poor. How many know that he didn't like that? See? (laughs) Anything in your life that's dominating your life, God is going to ask you to sell it sooner or later. It's going to have to go, whatever is in your life, because you are not created to be dominated by anything, and by being dominated, it brings several things in your life. It brings worry, it brings anxiety, it brings fear into your life. And God can't have you function that way because your body was not made to function in anxiety and in fear and in worry, and that's why most people's bodies are breaking down right now physically, basically because you weren't designed to do that. So whatever's in your life, basically, right now that's dominating you, whether it be finances, whether it be some other person, whether it be some alcohol, whether it be some drug, whether it be this or that, that that don't sit well with you because you know that you have dominion over those things, and bless God, you should not be dominated by those things. Are you following me? 
So we've all got that dominion spirit on the inside of us. Now we need to use it in the right way. And for 30 years of my life, I used my dominion to rebel against God. And let me tell you, I was winning. Do you know that? He couldn't do a thing about, because it was mine. It was my authority, my dominion, do whatever I wanted to do. He says, quit drinking 14 cases of beer at night. I said, no, thank you. I'm really enjoying this. When I wasn't, wasn't even enjoying it and I was doing it. But bless God, if that's what I wanted to do, I don't care if you're big G-O-D, little G-O-D, or who you are, that's what I'm going to do, praise God. And then one day, he got a hold of me, thank God. Praise God. God, I'd never seen 50 at the rate I was going. So what happened? All at once I had to submit to his dominion, then my dominion fell in line with his dominion so that I could rule and reign in different areas of my life that needed to be there. So the dominion spirit is not bad, even in teenage kids and even in the little kids. I mean, it's not bad. It just needs to be refocused. Come on, and regenerate it and put in the right direction, basically. And sometimes that's hard. Some people say, well, I just got one of those kids. Well, you just got one of those kids who's a little bit better at their misdominion than the next person was, praise God. So what you're going to do, you're going to redirect that. You're going to do that. Sometimes you're going to have to get it off of them. Amen. It's called a stick. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is not child abuse. If you're using the stick for the right thing, that is a godly thing for you to do. Pick that little bottom out and tan that little thing until that dominion spirit gets off that little guy. And bless God, the next time he'll think about doing that and overriding your dominion as he's still feeling his little boot day down there that you beat. Are you following me? And we don't do that because we have dominion over them. We do that because we want to teach them to have dominion and authority. And we do it in a loving way. We put them down, and that's it. We don't stomp in, grab them by the hair, and we don't do that. But that's the way the world does things, so they make it illegal anymore. But it's not illegal according to the Word of God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, come on. You guys are drawing it out of me. I'm getting nowhere this morning. Absolutely nowhere. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 20. Jesus says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not in no case enter into the kingdom of God. Here he's talking about basically righteousness of God, a right alignment with God, and he's talking about there's a way back into that right alignment, and that right alignment is not the way the Pharisees and the Sadducees did it. But the problem is most of the church have never come out of their Pharisee and Sadducee thinking even once they get born again, and they're still trying to achieve a relationship with God, not through relationship, but through something called religion, religiosity. You're going to have a relationship with God based on what you do for him, how you behave, how you don't behave. But notice, your relationship with God has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with relationship. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has to do with what he already did for you. And because of that, people are constantly doing things, working hard, doing this, heavy laden, uh, always under pressure, always doing everything. Worst thing you can do is be busy but not effective. So they're running here, they're running there, they're doing this, they're doing that. Why are they doing that? So that they have a good relationship with God basically by what they do. And they also sometimes in my life, in the young years, I did that to get something from God. Come on. I went to church on Wednesday. I went to church on Sunday. I went to revival Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Bless God, you better heal me now. I've done all I can do. 
Glory to God. You understand? You owe me something, bless God, and I want to collect on it right now. But God's not that way. God is not in the earning business. God is in the giving freely business. And we're in the receiving of the freely giving business. And we do that basically by simply freely accepting what he already provided for me. I found out a lot of times my faith was in the wrong direction. See, as Christians, we're taught to believe a lot of times for the end. But if we just believe for the beginning, we would get the end. Let me clarify. Everything in the kingdom of God that's basically done has already been provided. Is that right? He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has given us everything that we'll ever need, everything that we ever want. So basically, we can't earn something that already belongs to us, that already belongs to us. Peace is yours, joy is yours, healing is yours, power is yours, dominion is yours, Holy Ghost is yours, all these things are yours. But notice, for a lot of times in my life, some of the things that I was supposed to do beyond that, then I had trouble with because I was putting my faith in. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'd say, ain't going to recover. Why would they recover? Why would they recover if do that? I can lay hands on anybody. I ain't going to do But notice, the recovery is a result of the laying on hands. So if I can just have faith in the first part, Amen. lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I had no part in that. I just had part in faith to lay hands on the sick. But since we want to go all the way to the end and think, well, they ain't going to get healed anyway, most of us never lay hands on the sick because our faith is when he recovers. And basically, I don't have enough faith to believe he's going to recover anyway, so why should I lay hands on the sick? But notice, it's a result. Say it's a result. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart, he's been raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So, no, I ain't going to be saved when I do that. I'm never going to be saved. Do you want to confess it? And why should I confess it? Because I ain't going to be saved anyway. But if you put your faith in your part, right. I've seen many people who didn't believe they were going to get saved, confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in their heart has been raised from the dead, and bang, all at once something happened to them on the inside. What happens? It was a result of what they did. And it's the same way in the natural realm. If you never saw a car before and somebody gave you a car key and sat in a car and somebody said, turn that key and the car will start, you'd think... You're out of your mind. How's turning that key going to start that car? Doesn't even make sense to me. So you put your faith in the car not starting, and you'll never turn the key. But if you just put faith in what you're supposed to do, which is turn the key, guess what happens? You don't know how it starts. You don't even care how it starts. You just know if I put the key in there and turn the key, what's going to happen? Now watch it. The Bible tells you to resist the devil and... Now it doesn't matter really a lot of times how much faith you have in his fleeing... Your job is to resist the devil, and his job is to flee. But since I don't believe he's going to flee anyway, why should I ever resist the devil? I believe he's probably still there anywhere. Why don't we just put faith in what we're supposed to do? See? And it actually works in your life rather than going all the way to the end and think we got And here's the problem then. We get into religion where we've got to become some kind of spiritual giant before we can lay hands, before we can cast out devil, before we can do anything. We have to be this spiritual giant who just believes with no doubt and no... Good luck. <laughs> See, we just need to do what he tells us to do. Remember the one time Peter was out, was out in the boat fishing all night, came in, didn't catch a thing. Jesus comes along and says, can I use your boat just to preach a little bit? Sure, go out and use my boat. He went out and preached, and he had a big crowd there, and then he came back, and he went to Peter and said, take that boat back out, take your nets out there, you're going to get a catch. And, of course, Peter thought, this guy's nuts. We just fished all night, and you know you only catch fish at night because I can't see the net, for God's sake. So why should I go back out there in the daylight in my boat when this guy's a pastor, and I've been a fisherman now for 32 years, 25 minutes, and 14 hours? So he said, okay, all right, I'll do it. 
I'll take the boat out and I'll take my net out. Not my nets, my net. Why? Because I ain't going to wash them again. I didn't catch anything. But notice, just his act of doing what Jesus told him to do, even though his attitude stunk. Yes, Lord. <laughs> stunk. Yes. Smelled. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't go back out there. Oh, we're going fishing. We're going. He went, stupid, dumb pastor. I'll take out, take out there and fish. Puts the net over the side. Guess what happened? Result of what he was told to do. See, sometimes we need to change our faith a little bit and just put it in the Word of God, and then you're not responsible for the result. Why? Because it's, it's a spiritual law. That's a spir- Lay hands on the sick spiritual law, they shall recover. Resist the devil's spiritual law, he will flee. What? Jump off a building, I don't care how much faith you got in gravity or don't. The result of that spiritual law is going to be splat. Is that right? That's right. You don't, I don't have enough faith to, to hit the ground. I'm just going to jump anyway. Go ahead. You're going to get some faith on the way down, I guarantee you. You're going to become a believer before you hit the bottom. No question about it. Why is it? Because it's a physical law that takes place, and we all know that. Well, spiritual laws are the same way. There's a result to what you do, not an earning of what you do. Most of my prayers in my younger years were for things to get from God. I need a new car. I need a raise. I need tuition. I need this. Oh, I've got to support that wife of mine. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to have a better job, all these things. Never once did I think about what he wanted. I was too busy trying to get from him. And then if it didn't come, I'd try to figure out how to manipulate him. And that's why people think that prayer is manipulating God. Some of it is. That's why they think that. But others of it isn't, praise God. It's things that he's already given to us that belong to us that are ours. So notice, my righteousness is not based on works like the Pharisees did, wore the right robes, went to the right place, did the right thing. No, it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ that made me the righteousness of God in Christ once and for all, praise God, hallelujah. And let me tell you, you were made righteous before you did a thing. Remember, Jesus got baptized in the River Jordan. He hadn't healed one person yet preached one sermon yet. All he did was get baptized in the water. And he came up out and his father said, this is my beloved son and I am. Well, why is that? He didn't even do anything yet. Didn't do nothing. Why? Because God's pleasure is in who you are, not what you do. So the more you figure out who you are in Christ, the more pleasing you become to God, not all the little things you're doing constantly to do this, to do that, to do that. Let me just say, why are you here this morning? Are you here because it's Sunday? Are you here because it's time to go to church on Sunday morning and I want to do it? Or are you here to learn? Are you here to grow? Are you here to change? Are you here to... See? Where are are you right here? This is what matters here. See? I went to church for years. Did I want to be in church? No. Thank God it was only an hour. (laughs) I went to an hour church. That made me feel very good. So I went to church for an hour, basically... Looked around, didn't really learn much, didn't really do much. Watched my watch to see if they were going to get done right in an hour or under and over. It was like a betting thing. I probably could have bet some of the other guys I was going to church with, basically. But I was going to church. Why? So I didn't go to hell. Because they told me if I didn't go to church, I was going to hell. So I went to church. Why? Not out of relationship. 
was totally out of religiosity. Just go there so I didn't go to hell. I'll tell you, I found out later on in life there's one thing worse than, than going, yeah. going to church and, and going to hell, and that's going to church and going to hell. See, it didn't make any difference. I could have went up there with my whole list of Sundays and showed to the Lord that I went uh, all these Sundays here, had all little red marks by them that I went. Wouldn't have made a bit of difference because it's not based on your works. It's based on what he already did for us. That makes receiving easy for people instead of earning from people, basically. So the righteousness of God was basically given to you. People say all the time, well, I don't have religion. Well, do you have a religious relationship with God? I mean, what's, what's your relationship based with, on God? Is it about, uh, you know, what is it about? Religion always basically focuses, and Christianity even, focuses on going to heaven. What's the two big things in Christianity? Born again, go to heaven. That's what you do. Well, the kingdom focuses on you dominating on earth, not going to heaven. See? Completely different thing all the way around. But, but our thinking has been to a place to where it's this or that. Christianity and, and religion is always reaching up to God, trying to break through the heavens to get to God. The kingdom is God came down to us, already here. We're pursuing God. No, he's pursuing you. Always has been. Since day one, he sent his son down here to pursue you, praise God. Left the Holy Ghost here, and he's been chasing you around forever, praise God. People think that, oh, it's just going to finally get good. Finally get good when we die and we all get out of here. Thank God for heaven. Can't wait till we go. Fly away, oh, fly away, oh, fly away, oh, fly away. <laughs> well, what am I going to do in the 40 years before my plane shows up? And fly away. I'm going to live in misery begging for that airline to show up and get me the heck out of here. See, that's not the way it is. The kingdom gives you a life here on the earth, a purpose here on the earth, power here on the earth, authority here on the earth, dominance here on the earth, things on the earth. He said, woe to you Pharisees and you scribes. Why? You shut up the kingdom of heaven for people and you don't even go in yourself. Why is that? Because the Pharisees and what they taught and what they did always took everything from the now into the future. And Christianity religion has done that too. You're going to have power, don't worry. How long have you been in church? Two years. At 10 years, the power of God is just going to invade your life, and you're going to have it. You just pray and fast a little bit more, and you're going to get more and more power, and it's going to come. Not today, but tomorrow. We're talking about Luke 4:18. If you look at that, that scripture right there, Jesus was doing fine till he said today. Remember that scripture? He was just preaching up a storm, and uh, here I am, and I'm going to heal the sick and cast out devils. And then he said, today. And man, oh man, that made everybody mad. Why? Because it's easy to believe for tomorrow. Easy to believe for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be a world overcomer. When? Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, don't even worry about Because you're worrying about tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, you can't appropriate anything into your life that's tomorrow. The only thing you can appropriate into your life today. Tomorrow's power is not going to help you today. Tomorrow's healing not going to help you today. Tomorrow's victory not going to help you today. Tomorrow's financial explosion ain't going to help you today when it's time for lunch. See? So that's why Jesus came along and the Bible came along and faith is now the substance of thing hoped for. Why? We have these things right now. So the Pharisees are putting things off into the future. And most people's kingdom of heaven is heaven. That's it. When I get to heaven, then I'm in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. And right now, I don't have anything. Well, then you're going to live a tough life because you're going to live in guilt. 
You're going to live in condemnation. You're going to live in all these things because you're going to keep trying through your own efforts to live up to what God wants, and you could never do it. The Old Testament couldn't do it. Why would we try it in the New Testament? You can't do it. You can't keep the laws to do that. So you just got to accept what Jesus did and then run off of that and believe off of that and go off of that and start operating in the kingdom of God things that basically belong to us. So they came along basically and they did it. They came along and, and Jesus one time, I'm sure he, he got a lot of amens for this. He looked at the Pharisees and he said, prostitutes and sinners are going to get in the kingdom of God before you do. How many know they didn't go, amen? No, it made them mad. What was he saying? He was saying... It's not your past that'll keep you out of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a brand new beginning. The day you step into the kingdom of God, old things pass away and all things have become new. Don't matter if you were a prostitute. Don't matter if you were a sinner. Don't matter what you did or what you didn't do. Because as soon as you enter into the kingdom of God, there's a new start for you and a new right standing with God immediately that's not provided by you but provided by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, praise God. It's a free thing that's already been there. Christians run around in guilt and condemnation. I just can't live up. I just, you don't have to live up, just live in. I declare the blood, don't even believe in it. I cover this by the blood, don't even believe in it. If you believed in it, you wouldn't have to cover it because you'd already be it. You see, all these things are being. Now, your sin didn't keep you out of the kingdom of God. So your sin afterwards isn't going to kick you out of the kingdom of God. You got in basically before you did anything right. You just made one little confession, received Jesus, got born again, and instantly you were made into the righteousness of God himself. Don't matter. And most Christians are living in their past. See, when I got born again and, and God told me to preach after about six months after I was saved, and I said, I can't preach. You know, I've been drinking drinking for 15 years now, getting drunk, doing a lot of stuff I shouldn't have did, and I'm not really qualified to, to, to preach because, you know, if I'd had a better past, you know, it might be a little bit better for me. And one day he spoke to me, and he said, I'm not concerned with what, where you were. I'm concerned with where you're going. See, he's not concerned with where you've been. He's concerned with where you're going from here on out, praise God, because he has a plan and a purpose for you, and I don't care how bad you were or what you did wrong, it did not thwart that plan and purpose that God has in your life. It's still there, and as soon as you start in the right direction, you're just going to take off and do what you're supposed to do. But don't be disqualified by your past. What happened to me 10 years ago? What happened to me five years ago? What happened to me yesterday? Yesterday's gone. Where are you going to go today? Where are you headed now? Where's your next step going to be? What are you going to do? So the past has to be erased out of your mouth. Don't rehearse it. Dear God, don't rehearse your past over and over again. The only way I can talk about it standing up here because I'm completely exonerated from it. It's over with. I've had enough years to get all that junk out of my life, understand what was going on, what was happening, what wasn't happening, so it don't. But religion's going to make you earn your way into righteousness, earn your way into this. It's going to have you strain a gnat and swallow a camel. Come on, how many know it's hard to swallow a camel? See? See? Here, here's Jesus. He's going around, and I think every, every six days he just did nothing. Then on the Sabbath he healed everybody. Why did he do that? He knew it'd pee him off, man. I'm telling you what he knew. He knew if he just did it on the Sabbath day, pray. Go read part of the healings on the Sabbath day. And it was the Sabbath day. And on the Sabbath day, what was he doing? He was just nailing them. Every single time he was doing that. And look what they said. There are six days. Six days in which to heal the people. We don't do it on the Sabbath day. We don't do it on the Sabbath day. 
What were they saying? They're saying, you can't heal this man because it's the Sabbath day. Tradition coming in through religion. You can't do that. What are they doing? Straining a gnat, but they were swallowing a camel. Don't they understand? Somebody was delivered. Somebody was set free. Somebody was taken care of. Religion always is based on works and traditions. Kingdom is always based on people. People. God's interested in people. He's not interested in man-made traditions. He's interested in God-made people. So what's our focus going to be on? It's on people. It's helping other people. It's doing other people. But what if i got to miss church on Sunday and somebody needs prayer? What do I do? I'm trapped between the... <laughs> Go, get the person healed for God's sakes. Dear Lord Jesus. See, but tradition will hold you back from that stuff. You can make up a tradition for this, for that. But Jesus always, I'm telling you what, every single time, did whatever needed to be done at that time, basically. What for? Because he was a kingdom person. He was not one. Hallelujah. The church for years and years goes around and around and around with, with, the, with the holy days and the holidays. Uh, here comes Jesus. He's born in December. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then all at once he's crucified on the old bed. Then he's raised on. Yeah. Then the Holy Ghost comes. Woohoo! And then we wait for Christmas again and he gets born all over again. And then we go around and around and around we go. And nobody ever thinks about the Holy Ghost except on Pentecost. Nobody ever takes part in what the resurrection was actually for except we get to wear a new bonnet. We get some lilies and stuff up here, whatever it takes. See what I mean? The devil's got us going around in a circle and not even living the kingdom life that we're celebrating on these days. Jesus died on the cross, and most people don't even stand what he died for. But it's Good Friday, and that's the way we do it. Is it Christmas? Yes. Jesus was born today. That's it. Is it time for Good Friday? Yes. Time for Easter? Yes. Resurrection Day? Yes, he's risen. Now 40 days, and now we've got a lull, don't we? Because Jesus got to be born again, so we got something to celebrate. You got to have a birthday again, or we ain't got nothing to look at. Notice, we've been stuck in this thing rather than living a lifestyle of kingdom stuff, coming out of this religious attitude and religious mindset and walking in the things of God that men provided for us. You got now power today. You got now Holy Ghost deliverance today. You got now everything today, and you've got it. And I'll tell you what, you can live in religion the rest of your life and you'll be the most unhappy person. I don't care how much religious activity you do. You'll be the most unhappy person in the entire world, and you won't know why. You say, I'm doing all this stuff. I just can't figure it out. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading it. Well, why are you doing all those things? Are you doing it to get brownie points with God? Or are you doing it because you have a love relationship with God, and there's a desire in your heart to learn from God and serve God and change and do those things? Religion will never be satisfied. Religious people are never satisfied. And I'll tell you what, they will fight for their religion. They will fight for what's making them unhappy. Because they were told 40 years ago that's their way to happiness, but they've been doing it 40 years and haven't got any happy. You think they'd understand that it ain't going to work. It was religion. Here's what religion does. They play a joyous tune, and they won't dance. They mourn. They play a mournful tune, then they want to dance. You come drinking, you got a devil. Not come drinking, you got a devil anyway. You come eating with the sinners, you've got a devil. I don't eat with sinners, then you've got a devil. See, what is that? That's another illustration by Jesus saying, it doesn't matter what you do with religion, it's not going to help you, it's not going to do it for you, because you never lost religion, and you never lost heaven, you lost a kingdom, and you lost righteousness. 
So those are the only two things that's going to fill your heart is the two things that mankind lost when Adam sinned. He lost his right standing with God, he lost the spirit of God, and he lost his power to rule a kingdom. The kingdom of God brings those things back to us. So now I'm in a kingdom where I have power, I have authority, I can rule my own situations and circumstances, praise God, and I'm living in a right standing with God. I'm telling you, there's something happens when you get out of dead works and you serve basically the living God. Well, how do, how do I know if I have a religious spirit? Well, religious spirits are... Religious spirits... Religious spirits are the Holy Ghost in disguise. In other words, you don't need the Holy Ghost because I am your Holy Ghost. I can tell you what's wrong with you. I can tell you what you need to change. I can tell you what you need to line up with. I've been watching you, and I know what it is. Judgmental. Can't do nothing right. Can't do nothing right. You're around a person like that, you will not be able to do Even if you do something right, there'll be something wrong about what you did right. It's just the way they are. And there's people in churches all over the place like this. Matter of fact, they're in there not to help the church. They're in there to destroy the church because they get that religious spirit on them. Don't go to that church. He preaches way too long. Way too long. Oh, don't go to that church. He preaches too short. He don't preach enough. Music is way too long. Music's way too short. Always got a better idea. Always know better than everybody else. Always know what's wrong with this one. Always know what's wrong with that. It all starts in the kingdom of God with you. See, the Bible says if you'll just pull the plank out of your eye, you'll be able to see the, oh, don't you wish it was the other way around? (laughs) He said that for a reason, you know that? Because your plank's big to you, and that little speck you're looking at isn't that much. I mean, what are you today? Are you a plank seeker? Are you a speck puller outer? I mean, what are you doing with all your time, basically? Because there's judgmental people. again. That's from that religious spirit. And there's people who have come to me. Pastor, I have a word for you. You don't know who I am, but I have a word for you. Okay, give me your word. I just want you to know that I've been, I've been praying the Holy Ghost five hours a day. Uh, I've been fasting for three weeks. And have you been praying five hours a day? No. Have you been fasting three days a week? No. Well, I'll tell you what, that's, that's what it is. You've just, you've got to do that. I don't know why you're not doing that. And that's what I think you should be doing. And, and that's what needs to be done. And... I said, are you really happy doing all that stuff? Oh, yes, I feel so good doing all that stuff. I said, that's because the reward of your works is your works. And basically, you're idolizing your works more than you're idolizing him. See, Just because somebody else is doing something doesn't mean you're required to do something. You understand? You can pray 15 minutes, probably get more out of it than the four hours. You see, and even if God wanted you to pray four hours, he would start you out with 15 minutes. He's not dumb. (laughs) Go to your room and pray for four hours. Even he knows that ain't going to work. I mean, come on, give him some credit. My God. No, start out 15 minutes in prayer. And all at once you'll start enjoying that 15 minutes. Then all at once it'll be a half hour. Then all at once it'll be an hour. But once it gets to an hour, you don't run around telling everybody, do you preach an hour? I preach an hour. Do you preach an hour? You go, did you do this? Did you do that? How much did you give? How much? None of your business. God's dealing with each and every one of us in a different way, praise God. And what somebody else does is not something that you have to do. A lot of people idolize their works. That's why Jesus said somebody came to him in the end time and they said, we've cast out devils in your name. We've healed the sick in your name. We've done all this stuff in your name. What do you think? He said, garbage. 
if you did all that stuff to impress me, you're failing because you impressed me when you got born again in the kingdom of God and you're the righteousness of God in Christ and all that other stuff out there isn't going to impress me one way or another, praise God. See, get off the works mentality. You'll wear yourself out. Get off, I have to do this, I have to do that, I must do this, I must do that. I'll tell you what, you will, if you come to church out of an attitude of love for God and a desire and hunger, thirst for righteousness, church will be a blessing to you every single time you come. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching, nobody's preaching, somebody shares, we sing a song, it will touch your heart every single time if that's what you're looking for. But if you're coming here say, well, let's see what songs they do this morning. Sometimes they do good ones, sometimes they don't. And if they don't play my favorite song, I'm not lifting my hand, I'm not doing anything. And now it's time for him to preach again. Oh my God, the kingdom of God again. How many times is he going to preach on this? And then you leave, wait at the door, everybody. I didn't get anything out of church, did you? I didn't get anything out of church, did you? I didn't get anything out of church. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. See, that's what it's all about. Praise God. It's your heart condition that makes it. I can say, there's times when my heart was so fired up, I read the word thee. Got four sermons out of it. And if you're going to look up thee everywhere in the Bible, you've got a lot of looking up to do before it's over with, because it's everywhere, praise God. But why is that? Your heart's tender. Your heart's there. You're learning from God. You're willing to grow. You want to do it. You want to move higher. You want to change. You want to help other people. I don't want to make a track record of, well, now let's see, I've cast out eight devils and healed 14. I don't care what I did yesterday. I want to do something today and the next day and the next day and not keep a track. I want to help people who are in bondage. I don't like the devil. I don't like bondage. I hate fear. I don't like that stuff. I want to help get it out of people's life. But you can only do that if you start getting some of the planks removed out of your own life first. And we've all got planks. You may not think we have. And then when you start getting success, you've got to be careful because there's some people, praise God, that it give alms and want to tell everybody about it. There's some people who want to pray and tell everybody about all their prayers. They want to do it in public places. They want to, what do they do? All at once when you start having success, that old spirit that used to be on you comes back and wants you to be notarized and well-known and everybody knows who you are and everybody knows. And that stuff right there will shut down. See, because you start bragging on what you did there's going to come a time what won't work for you anymore, and people are going to come to you to get what you said you did, and now you can't did it anymore, and you're going to look like a fool. <laughs> come on, do you see what I mean? Sure, if he did, well, no, we know God works through us. He does things. He does. We're not trying to do a track record here. We run into people. Maybe you'll run into three people to get delivered. Maybe you run into one in the next couple days. It doesn't matter. It's a one-by-one situation of setting people free and, and getting rid of the religious spirit, basically, that's in and on us at different times, praise God. So all this stuff's got to be getting, whenever you see yourself starting to think of someone else, judge someone else, and it's not good, you better change it right there. Just just it. Leave it go. Hallelujah. Pray for them. It's funny that the Bible tells us to pray when? Always. There's a point for that. Because there's a lot of times you don't want to pray, you want to do something else in those situations. And it don't work, praise God. Hallelujah. So there's religious on our spirit on us. There's a religious, religious way that we came out of everything. We earned everything from our mom and dad, we thought. We earned everything in our marriages. We earned everything from everybody else. Everything wasn't earned. Christmas has taught us to give and, and get and give and get. And if they gave me a gift, i got to give one back. All that stuff has been ingrained to us. But notice God gave us everything with no return whatsoever except us. 
And he's interested in who you are today, basically, more than anything else. Get rid of your religion. Get rid of your works. Get rid of your stuff. Just do what he's asking you to do, praise God. You don't have to do a million things. Everybody says, I want to be like Paul. Well, you're not going to be. Paul, Paul had a different call, basically. That's what he was called to do. How many want to be shipwrecked and sitting in the ocean for seven days? Come on. How many want to be bit by a snake? Praise God. How many want to be beaten with stripes about 42 times? Oh, no, I just want to be on this side of Paul. Yeah, well, you to get to that side, he had to go through that side. Nobody looks at that side, do they? No. Praise God, I want to be like him. But there's not that many people like that, praise God. So you got a call on your life. Hallelujah. God loves you this morning. He loves you just the way you are today. It doesn't matter if you got up looking pretty or looking bad. Don't matter if your makeup smudged or not smudged. Don't matter if your hair is in place or not in place. Don't matter if you had a fight over here in the car on the way this morning, praise God. God loveth you the way you are. Just relax and enjoy him and have a good relationship with him. Get the religiosity out of your life and the works out of your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.